0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, 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 Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, we are back. The November international break has landed, and if World Cup qualifying wasn't already exciting enough, this one has the added element of a grudge match with Mexico. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, and we are going to be talking and taking a deep dive into the Greg Burhalter decision making. The roster has taken shape and the age old debate about MLS and the European based players. We will also roll out our best CONCACAF lineups. The K Golasso USMNT Hour begins right now. Hey everyone, welcome in to the K Golasso USMNT Hour. This is the
1: Monday. Jimmy Conrad, what is going on, man? I am excited to get into this. Obviously, this is a hot topic, and it should be, right? These are World Cup qualifiers. We didn't qualify for the World Cup in 2018. So these decisions matter, especially when we have a window as big as this, playing home to Mexico and then away to Jamaica, who had a great result in Honduras on that last match day to give them a little bit more belief that maybe they can sneak in and be maybe that fourth team, because I think it's going to be us, Mexico, and Canada that end up getting the top three spots. I love it. And now we all know the U.S. men's national team is a big deal, so much so that Jimmy and
0: I get attacked every time we talk about it, which means (laughs) good things are happening uh, in our fan base. We've awoken Sleeping Giant, but it's such a big deal that we've decided to dedicate a weekly discussion about the Stars and Stripes with you, the audience. So make sure you join us on the Kegel YouTube channel every Monday for your weekly fix of USA, USA, USA. Uh, this is what Jimmy's got to bring out, the, uh, the uh, boo-boo-zellas and all that type of stuff. But real quickly, if you're watching this live on YouTube, I can't emphasize this enough. Smash that like button. Also, we want to hear from you. So get in the comment section, share your thoughts, ask a question, get things off your chest, attack Jimmy and I in a, in a productive way. We don't like internet bullying, but we are here for a good debate. And our producer will throw those <laughs> best comments or worst comments, hot takes on the screen. So, and, and by the way, if some of you are listening to Podcast form, that's nice. You know, it's even nicer. Subscribe to the Kegel podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. We want that podcast to reach as far and wide as we can, especially when Jimmy and I are talking about the men's national team. It's really important to us, and we want to just keep building this community and make it bigger and bigger, heading towards World Cup 2022, and then obviously World Cup 26 on home soil. So, Jimmy, MLS Decision Day just happened. I saw that you were uh, around the ethos of everything, kind of. I saw you jumping on on an MLS live stream, I know you got brand obligations. I know you got a million things going on. So let's talk about the MLS decision day and the implications for the U.S. men's national team.
1: Well, I think, if anything, let's just start with Miles Robinson. He ended up scoring for Atlanta on decision day in their comeback against Cincinnati. To Same kind of with Joseph Martinez, place. by the way. Wow. He did. He scored a banger as well. And Miles Robinson, first ever MLS goal. And I think he's in line to become MLS defender of the year. At least there's a strong argument to be made which I think would just be a feather in the cap and a tremendous calendar year for Miles Robinson. He's made huge strides with the national team, obviously scoring the game winner against Mexico in the Gold Cup final, and just continuing to get a little bit better and a little bit better every time he wears the red, white, and blue. I'm excited to see him start against Mexico. He's going to get another crack at it. Now he's going to have Raul Jimenez to worry about instead of Funes Mori. He's got to have a a healthy Chucky Lozano, which is going to look a little bit different. You got Tecatito on the other side, so a little bit of a different ask and most likely with a different uh, partner. I think that Chris Richards will be lined up next to him, who he did work with against Costa Rica in the last match day. But I'm really looking at Miles Robinson and how this plays. Now, we're also, uh, Ariola's out, Legette, Ricardo Pepi, and Jesus Ferreira, who also got called in. Their seasons are over. How does that impact them moving forward? You know, you want them to stay sharp. But this is the last window until we go back at it again in January. And that's going to be a big question for a lot of the MLS-based players in terms of how they stay sharp. Between this window and the next one. Yeah, I, I think that you make
0: a great point of just the end of the season. Obviously, we are in November and you are going to have a number of players. And we know that we got the Bosnia Berzni- Bosnia Herzegovina uh Herzegovina. Is that is that pronounced correct? However correctly. you want. I mean Th- Jimmy, I think you, everybody you're, knows you're you're trying. I remember trying. back in the Kick TV days, you used to do the pronunciations of teams and names and stuff like that. So I know that you're the master of these types of things, but uh we have that game, so I think that keeps the team relatively fresh. But when you look at a player like Ricardo Pepe, you wonder where he's going to get his minutes after this camp, right? Where is he going to stay sharp? Because you come back into January, you go into February, I expect him to make a move, uh, and, and you want him to be playing games. So I hope that it's on the early end where he can get integrated into a club wherever he ends up going, and then automatically starts playing again because of his role within the national team. So I think that's a good point. Uh, that you point out. Should should Ricardo Pepe be included in this? Is he your starter in this camp? I don't want to go through the starting 11 because we're going to save that for the preview. But sure. we'll talk about a few guys and, and your takes on well, this.
1: Well, I think that Ricardo Pepe, and you mentioned this in a previous podcast, that he's our only true number nine up top. Everybody else is either a second striker, ultimately, or someone that plays out on the wings. And so if you're going for that I, I feel like he's going to start both games. What everybody should remember about this qualifying window is it's the first one where we only have two games in this window. We're not trying to cram in three to, to make up for COVID or whatever it is. And I think that actually benefits the smaller nations who don't have the depth. Cause you can see with all the smaller nations, by the time they got to that third game, they were getting their butts kicked because they were tired and, and that happened to Panama happened to El Salvador. It happened to all these teams. And so now that there's only two, and they can really rely on their two or their core players for for these two games. I think it does make a difference, and I think that will help Jamaica a lot. So I'm kind of looking at that this narrative as it pertains to the U.S. against Jamaica. But uh, I'm really just what what happens with Pepe once this window's open over. From for me, if I'm him or his agents or even FC Dallas, like we got to get this kid still playing somewhere. Whether you loan him out to go train with Ajax or. Whoever whoever's out there that you can go just go loan them and for go For example,
0: Ajax. For I'm example. just saying I don't know why Ajax popped <laughs> in my head,
1: but but for for any teams that are actually looking at him, or if there's like a sister club, I know that FC Dallas has a relationship with Bayern Munich. Like if you can get uh, him over to Bayern for just a couple weeks, even if he's just training with the U23s, whatever, he just needs to be in a situation where he can still be cutting his teeth and being challenged on a day to day basis.
0: Well, MTF uh, just threw out the comment that uh, he or she is stoked to be here. So we are we are stoked to have you. And uh, send in your questions, comments, everyone. Uh, if well, you are Really quick, be,
1: before we go, though, I saw one about your dark horse to win MLS Cup this year. Mm-hmm. What We got any any thoughts on that, Heath Pierce?
0: Oh, here we go. Chase saying, who's your dark horse to That's win it. MLS That's Cup? That's it. Honestly, I did the LAFC. I was doing the broadcast for the LAFC Colorado game. And I went into it thinking, okay, uh, uh, Colorado have only lost once at home. Right, And they're good, but we know what it's like to play in Colorado, Jimmy. You know these it's things. Hard. It's hard. And they absolutely uh, dismantled LAFC. Now, don't get me wrong. LAFC had to send numbers forward. They were really going for it and exposing themselves. And LAFC are not the team that we've seen in years past. It's their first bit of controversy. But, man, if you look at the energy of Colorado, and it's funny. I was just talking to our producer, Des, before the show, that in the, in, the, in the press conference, Bob Bradley said, yeah, Colorado are defensively sound, they're good in transition, and good in set pieces. And if you watch the game, they did those three things better than any team in the league. And when you add those things together, that makes a very good playoff team. Reminds right, me of Seattle right. Sounders. Like you get into the playoffs and you, you know exactly who you are. You do these things better than anybody. And that usually wins out. When you're talking about one, two chances in a game, in right. close playoffs games, Jimmy, as you and I talked about recently, you yeah. need those set pieces. You need to be defensively sound. You need to have are, those I, fighters.
1: Just so I'm clear, are you setting this up? To say the Colorado Rapids are your dark horse to win it when they're the number one seed in the West. And listen, but they're uh, I, they're, they're <laughs> I just, I just that very, would be very a dark horse. For me. Yeah,
0: I I mean maybe I'll give you maybe I'll give you Nashville as as a dark horse, but I mean anybody that's in the playoffs right now, especially like I don't think it's Vancouver, I don't think it's any of these teams that just slipped uh, slipped in. Okay, but Colorado climbed all the way to the top at the end and finished on 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 decision day uh, at the top uh, of the West, and so the way, and if you look at the players that they have on paper, they are still a dark horse, Uh, you know, with price having 12 or 13 assists, one of the, some of the highest in the, in the league, mostly off of set pieces. They're just the way that they play. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have give them, you wouldn't have give them, you would have called them a dark horse three weeks ago. And so the fact that they've just continued to get results, I don't think changes the fact that they're a dark horse because again, on paper, there's much better teams in the league. There's, there's more attractive styles of play. There's more experienced teams, but they have a lot of journeymen in the team and they have a lot of experience and, for example, in this one, they moved Kellen Acosta to left wing back to match up against Carlos Vela uh, from the start. Carlos Vela came in in the 30th minute. And I thought that, with Robin Frazier's tactical prowess, of from what I saw at least in that game, it, it puts them a good chance. So maybe dark horse isn't the right word, but I do like their odds because they're willing to play Ac- ugly and they're willing to beat you ugly.
1: Acosta actually dropped in a dime with his left foot for, the, I think, the first goal of the game on an assist. Oh, yeah, being yeah, that, so. that one. Who's, who's, your, who's yours? Well, I actually. When I went on MLS, they were asking me, now this is before Colorado won it. I said, I think the Rapids are a team to look at for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, and that people are sleeping on them. They're not, they're the team that doesn't get the respect. And so from the West, I can understand why you you lean that way. Cause Seattle and Kansas city were kind of the two teams everybody was talking about throughout much of the season.
0: But like, would you, would you consider them one? Because Seattle's dropped off. They're not in great form, but they're
1: a playoff team. They know what they know how to get in there. They turn it on for playoffs. Kansas city, same thing. No, I understand. And they're going to have home games to start. I kind of like the Timbers, to be honest. I think with the with the return and the health of Sebastian Blanco, their number ten, it always gives them a chance to to be in the game. They can just kind of tighten things up defensively. I'm a big Gio Savarese fan. He's a friend, so a little by. I'm kind of well. I think he's at this my point friend. Our career, he's my friend. We're, we're friends. with have never, I've never, I've never heard. Guys.
0: I've never heard one person meet Gio. Even even a friend of mine who was who's who's the head of one of the head of the supporters for the Cosmos. When Gio was there, he was like, Gio's my friend. Cause Gio would like kiss his head when he come over to the supporters after the games, Gio's just got that fam familial yeah, for sure, type of for feeling. Sure. And I think that, that, you know, I know we're making a joke about that, but that in the locker room is a really powerful and important thing.
1: Yeah. So I would say the Timbers on the West and then in the East, you know, I think the Revs are the clear favorites, but they're going to play the winner of NYCFC versus Atlanta. Whoever comes out of that is going to be sharp and ready to go against the Revs, who just lost to inter Miami on decision day. I don't know. I, I would say that Nashville, Hard to beat this year, but they draw a lot. They have 18 draws or something crazy out of 34 games, which is insane. But I could see if, if NY whoever wins of NYC FC Atlanta, I think could be my dark horse. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and also, I would love to know in
0: the comments, do you like when Jimmy and I talk about the first 10 minutes of MLS or do you want us to STFU uh, you can just throw that <laughs> into the comments, and we'll just move on. But Jimmy, oh, let's talk about let's talk about the Euro versus MLS argument. This is an age old argument going back to it's a nice segue. What yeah, segue? Literally 2002. Brooks John Anthony Brooks spoke openly about his form recently, and and that you have to earn it and you have to deserve to be there, and was open about it. You and I took a little bit of slack for not being more critical of this from a few fans on the internet uh, when we know our friends over over uh on 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 the other network Hercules Gomez was very critical of this. So, I wanted to talk to you about do you think there is a double standard, you know, and, and before you you go, the, the argument was like why is Mark McKenzie um coming in? And and perhaps I'm out of line for saying this and 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 I know this is quite information, but I talk to Mark McKenzie every day. And I will tell you that at no point is Mark McKenzie getting a free pass. And people will see in this camp what i mean by that i don't want to speak to private conversations that greg berhalter's having with the team and things like that but i know a lot more than most people do it's easy to get on a show and just talk and be critical of greg and the players but i get privy to a lot of conversations that happen in the background mm-hmm. that tell you there's a lot more to the story than just who gets called in who's going to play who's being brought in to be part of the camp who's being brought in to play who's being brought in to be a leader there's a number of these roles that are called into, that it's not just about the starting 11 and deserving to be there. Being called into the national team has a number of things on a personal and a professional level. So, for sure. no, Jimmy, I, do you think there's a double
1: standard there? I think there is with regard to how I approach this subject. So I was very, I was in some ways a, not applauding Greg Berhalter, but I was excited. It's not even Greg Berhalter. I'm just excited we've evolved as a program enough to that if you're not playing well, even if you play in Europe, you're still being held accountable for your current form. Now, I didn't apply that lens and that perspective to every single player that got called in, including Mark McKenzie, who isn't starting regularly for his team in Belgium, which obviously is a league that's a little bit less competitive than the Bundesliga and the Champions League that John Anthony Brooks is playing in. I'll say this, by the way, I'll be surprised if Mark plays in these games. I, no, I understand that. And, 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 I, and, and I appreciate you, you adding that context. And I should have done that. So, so fair play to the people that came out and called me out on social media, totally valid point. And I wish that I had gone and given that the whole 360 treatment because they also wanted to see me apply that to Legette and Ariola and maybe other players that are playing well for their MLS clubs. But are
0: are those guys not playing well, or is it because they're they're just MLS players and they're not young? Well, that's because I don't think I don't think Ariola has been playing poorly. I mean, well, there's the
1: undercurrent. That's the undercurrent I'm trying to get to is that there's this 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 blatant lack of respect for MLS players, and that's what taps into me a little bit. I take it personal as someone Mm -hmm. that played in a World Cup with only MLS experience, and we were hyping up all the European-based guys, and they didn't perform in that World Cup. And the two highest-rated players in the World Cup I played in were me and Clint Dempsey with only MLS experience so i don't i don't feel like i need to i mean i well i want to explain myself sometimes but i've seen it firsthand i've lived it myself that you're either ready when the whistle blows or you're not it doesn't matter what the hell you did before and what you're going to do after are you ready right now and and i learned that was a really valuable lesson i learned through that world cup that that it's when you show up when that whistle blows and and we're still have to we it gets to be decided Who's going to show up for us in 2022? We got to qualify first, of course. But some yeah. of these guys didn't show up with European experience. Didn't show up in 2018. When we were trying to qualify either. So there's a lot to unpack there. But sometimes the 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 undercurrent of lack of respect for MLS players gets a little tiring. I just think it's low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah. that's the perspective I was coming from with regard to John Anthony Brooks. Now that said, let's talk about him in particular. And I and I and I do want to say thank you for calling me up because it, it allowed me a chance to kind of explain myself a little bit more and give everybody a little bit of understanding where I was coming from. Now with regard to John Anthony Brooks, I look back at at the schedule to the last qualifying window. He was playing before that qualifying window. He came out of that with back spasms. You and I Heath both know that back spasms isn't a real injury dude. And so I thought, okay, back spasms is something either like his club said they didn't want him to travel they did not want to whatever something was going something was going on behind the scenes when I hear back spasms. That's what I hear. Something personal is going yeah, on. We talked court. about that. We talked about we that when it happened. Yeah, We did. And, and then I said right after the qualifying window, he started playing for Wolfsburg again. So he played right before the, played the next
0: game. He played that Sunday after the triple fixture day.
1: He played the next that game. Sunday. Yeah. So then the game before the game before the international window, when he came, didn't go for back spasms. He only played 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, crap. Well, maybe he did have an injury or something. He came on as a sub for the last 45 minutes. It wasn't like he started and came out. So I don't really buy the back spasms. And now we get into this window and now he's not even being included at all, despite playing, like he's not playing great. But in the champ, he's, 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 for me, when I look at the, when I look at who we're playing against, we know we're going to have Raul Jimenez against Mexico. Even if sometimes, okay, let me say it like this. Christian Pulisic wasn't playing well for Chelsea at the beginning of the calendar year or whatever. And we brought him into those friendlies over in Europe and they brought him in because okay this is a good chance for him to regain his confidence be around his friends again like start to enjoy the game again why couldn't we apply that same logic to what anthony john anthony brooks is going through where to get him going again so yeah. so if we've done that for players in the past why aren't we doing it for him i think there's something happening behind the scenes i've yeah. got no inside information i don't even know if you have inside information about this particular player because i know you're closer to other players but but it just feels like there's some smoke there and, and I want to know if there's a fire. I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to make up or like create any drama here. I just feel like back spasms and then not being included at all with a guy that we've relied on for a good portion of time who would be an amazing matchup straight up with Raul Jimenez. Doesn't make sense.
0: I agree. And, and when I look beyond that, right, I'm looking at this team. And by the way, I think the Polisic is a perfect example. I've never heard one fan or supporter or analyst or expert say, you don't bring Pulisic in. Everyone says if he's got two legs to walk on and he's cleared (laughs) medically, you bring him in. Gio Reyna, if he's cleared medically, you bring him in. Like you said the last time around, we got Pulisic found his form in the national team. I think that's a really important thing. One of the factors that I wanted to talk about with all that is, I do think that there can be doubles. There are double standards, right? There's great. Every every coach has one. Yeah, there is. There is subjective experiences. We've seen that with Jossi Zardes uh, being out and then all of a sudden being magically back in. There are the the ties to to Berhalter ball in the way that we saw very early on with Will Trapp and others with Greg Berhalter who know the system that can help do it. I I understand the arguments there. I know a lot of the pessimism has come from those those early days. There also are a number of legitimate factors as to why you bring somebody in or leave them out. One of them being if there's something bigger uh, being out. Like you mentioned with John Anthony Brooks. Do we know if that's the case? I don't know. But there is constantly this whole thing. We're not talking about you're bringing 23 players in or 18 players in, and that's who has to play, and whether it's deserving or not. We're talking about camp, and you're trying to manage a few things. One, how do you get the results that you need? Two, how do you have a cohesive team that sets a standard in the same way that Greg sent Weston McKinney home, and all we heard about is that he wasn't the only one. I know Weston McKinney's family, somebody in his family had spoken up saying others did it. He's sort of falling on the sword for the team. He ate that. He gobbled it up. He recently had this... this. um quote come out talking about how he didn't start well under Allegri had all this pressure on him and now he's going back to being himself these are these growth moments for these players right and it's a really important growing period but you also still have to have that cohesion and that nucleus of the team where the team is bigger than any player and any individual and you got to manage that with you got young guys who are playing uh sporadically right we look at Timothy Way is not in the team every single week he doesn't start every game but he plays regularly Conrad de la Fuente plays regularly but he's not a starter within the team you um the only, the only real argument in this case is a subjective, the subjectivity of whether you like the MLS-based players, whether mm-hmm. you like Sebastian Legette, uh, who's played more, more minutes than most of the players have over the last year. That's a solid argument to have. Whether you like having Paul Areola in, and how he's being called up over other players. However, that is a different argument than bringing in Mark McKenzie or not because he's playing or not, right? Whether mm-hmm. you think he's good or you think they're bad, that's different. I don't think any of their performances have warranted not being called in again. Now, whether this player is better, that's a different argument than, hey, if you're playing, you should get called in. And if you're not, you shouldn't. And if they're going to do that to John Anthony Brooks, you should do that to Mark McKenzie. You should do that to others. And by the way, Mm -hmm. I do agree in that context. But I, again, like I mentioned, understand that within the team dynamic. Remember, there's always players that you felt didn't deserve it, Jimmy, when you're in the national team. And you're like, hey, that guy gets a free ride. Yeah, yeah that guy gets that guy gets to get called in every single time, regardless of what they do. There were long periods in our history where Josie Altidore wasn't playing minutes, but you know, his importance in the national team. And perhaps you didn't have other options or you needed him. Like you said, to take the chance to try to make him better. And I'm using Josie because he just popped to mind. I was one of those uh, that wasn't at times playing and I was called in. And I'm sure people were like, Hey, this guy doesn't deserve to be called in. He's in the Bundesliga. That's not a, it's not a free pass. This guy should play every week or not be called in. And, and so I understand the double standard of that. And by the way, Thanks to everyone who's tuning in. Jimmy and I are real heated right now and passionate about this conversation because there's not a perfect answer and we want to have that debate with you. Obviously, we've seen a lot of these comments come up uh, and we're going to keep on reading them. So make sure you hit that uh, that uh, subscribe button and make sure you keep those comments coming because it's it's, it's it's fun for Jimmy and I to, to get in on this. So Jimmy,
1: any closing yeah, Col- thoughts on, on sort of the double standard there? Yeah, well, I would just say that Colby makes a good point about Eden Hazard, right? Not obviously not playing well for Real Madrid and hasn't for a while. He goes back to Belgium, and in this last qualifying window, he wasn't just playing and starting wearing the number 10 shirt for Belgium. He was the captain, and I feel like, all right, that's one way to do it. That was part of the example of, of what Christian Pulisic was for us way back when he wasn't playing as well, wasn't as sharp for Chelsea, and I thought when he came out of that camp, he started to sharpen up a little bit, and right. seemed like he was enjoying the game. I we, still gave feel the excuse, like- we gave the excuse, by the way, of, yeah, but it's Chelsea. Yeah,
0: of course. His daily course. environment. Right, He's playing right, with right. the best players in the world. He's training with the best players in the world. So if he doesn't play, it's still a better situation than, than uh, Sebastian Legette at the LA Galaxy where the level is so much lower. And again, so, we
1: have those types of arguments. I don't agree with him, but I'm just saying there, there no, were those triggers. No, and I think I think what's triggering a lot of people is the fact that he's giving that double standard or not giving that same or holding to the same standard that John Anthony Brooks apparently is being held to to, to <laughs> players maybe in MLS that aren't playing as well. Ricardo Pepe is undeniable but, and he has been for the U S but he's actually not scoring a lot for FC no. Dallas and hasn't, I think he's got one goal in his last six or seven games. It not like he's crushing it. Okay. Recently. If he's, if he's in the prime of
0: his career, you don't call him in. Right. But there's a, there is, do you think I, there's a pass for him being a I young don't know. teenager? And I mean, I don't know. It, you know that's and, it that, and he's the best nine that we have. And and he's young and
1: form and shape. Well, I mean, I mean Daryl DK, we could argue Daryl DK is in better form for Orlando city than Ricardo Pepe, but he can't even get a, a look in the team. It's not even called into camp. What's there so, seven
0: or eight goals in his last 10 or seven, seven or eight? It's, in his it's last insane. Nine? And yeah. he just
1: scored again on decision day to help Orlando make the playoffs. I mean, there's some value. And I want I want Daryl DK in the team because of this form, because he's in this form. He has that mentality. He's sharp right now. And we could argue Ricardo Pepe isn't as sharp. So it the whole thing's really fascinating to me as to when you're a coach, when that standard that you set isn't applied to everybody, and, and how you validate why you're bringing somebody. But do you in. care what we think? Cause he didn't, Greg, Greg hasn't really, no, he, he hasn't really the addressed team.
0: the John Anthony Brooks in the way that I feel the fans would like it to be addressed, which is like, is there something more?
1: You're well, you bringing him really feel like performances because it doesn't because, make any sense otherwise.
0: Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like you're, you're Greg Berhalter is creating this double standard, uh, outwardly facing because you're saying, well, he's not in the form that we need him to be in for this type of one. And then when you add those, all those things together, as you mentioned, it obviously looks like something bigger than that because. You leave the room open for the argument of saying, "Yeah, but why is that guy here?" You know, Mark McKenzie. He's not playing, uh, and the, and he's in Belgium. And, and so, why is he get to come in? But that guy doesn't because of his form. Like where, where? And so, I feel like he's maybe skirting around the topic, and that's creating more controversy than it would than to be like, "Hey, we're working through some." I mean, again, I don't know how you dress that. That's a tough situation to be in. You you don't want to you don't want to expose what's happening inside of a locker room either. Um, having said that. It's a good problem to have considering the team is doing all that's right true. right now. The points that's are a silver in a, in lining. a solid he, place. It's a great yeah. problem to have. We're, we got we, some
1: depth at every position, everybody. Go
0: back to 2018. We're arguing a completely different argument as we head on our way out to, to not getting the result against Trinidad and missing out on a World Cup. So I think depth is something that uh, we have, uh, I wouldn't say, in in in, uh, in riches, but we, we definitely have more of it and more uh, experience. And this goes back to, again, Gold Cup, uh, Nations League, these qualifiers. We've seen Robinson. We've seen Zimmerman. We've seen McKenzie. We've seen um Miazga. We've seen uh,
1: Richards. We've seen a number of guys come and now in. Now we're going to see Joe Scally, yeah. you know, and I think that is, I think everybody's excited about that. I haven't seen anybody go like, wow, we shouldn't call Joe Scally," And I mean, he's earned it and he's done it against some of the best teams in the world. And he's been holding his own against Bayern Munich. And, and I'm just very excited. And I hope that he gets to play I wish we would have brought him in the last window just to get kind of around the guys. Well, I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna start against Mexico. Which is crazy to me. That's well, I don't crazy think. Me.
0: what what else can you do in this situation? I, no, 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 you, had a, you had a
1: camp before to well, bring well, him you, in and, and you and didn't though. No, that's what I think. Like, why wouldn't you if you thought he could, could maintain that form and there was no indication that he wouldn't, why wouldn't you bring him in the last window and just get him around the guys? You don't have to start him, but just let him see what it's about or play and, him in Panama. And then now you're gonna start him against Mexico. I mean, I started a a game with Marvell Wynn, okay, in the Copa America. His first ever cap is against Argentina, and he, at that time, was obviously one of our talented youngsters, and his upside was tremendous and all that stuff. But we give up the first goal because he's two yards behind everybody else on a set piece because he just doesn't have any experience. He doesn't. He's not even paying attention. Yeah. He's not locked in. And now we could argue that was kind of part of his mo, but we didn't know it at the time. And and that led to the first goal. We would have been up 1-0 at half, and I think that game would have been a lot different if you have people that are locked in. Not to say Joe Scalley isn't going to be locked in, but throwing somebody out there for their first ever cap against Mexico, even though we did it for George Bellow, I think, in the Gold Cup Final, is an interesting tactic. I'll and I think you. with this game, with so much at stake, I mean, Gold Cup Final is one thing. World Cup qualifier is something completely different. So is Bundesliga. That's my point, is I would play Bayern 10 times out of 10. Uh if
0: somebody said, which one... I mean, I would play Mexico every time because of yeah, the atmosphere yeah, yeah. of it, but without knowing, knowing what I know now, which one would be a lot harder to step into and play for the very first time? U.S.-Mexico every time. That mm-hmm. is a very mm-hmm. challenging environment because there's a bunch of things that are stimulating to the senses in ways that you have never been, no matter the stadiums that you've played in or the size or the, the magnitude of a game. The U.S.-Mexico one just hits different.
1: Mm-hmm. It 100% does. So if Joe Scally starts... I'm going to be supportive of him, like all the players, of course. But I just, it, when you're a coach, you want to put your pos- players in a, in a position to succeed. And I don't know, in, in some ways, this is where I think John Anthony Brooks, because of his experience, because he actually has something to prove to like, I want to be better than I was the one time when I, the last, you know, couple times I played in, against Canada at home, you know, like, and, and because he's trying to get sharper and you want to bring him around the group. And so it makes me feel like Greg has made a decision. and, that maybe John Anthony Brooks isn't our answer anymore. And Chris Richards has shown me enough that we can not have to rely on, on John Anthony Brooks. And he could be getting pushed out, which would yeah. be which would be interesting I, at this phase to qualifying to make that type of decision. I'm just saying. I I'm just saying
0: I, I, if, if I'm if I'm Greg and I'm looking at John Anthony Brooks and we, we had Colby and then I'm not sure Des what that last comment was or who, who said that last comment, but both giving a shout for Cameron Carter Vickers, who's having a, a very uh, kind of overperforming expectations at at Celtic this year. Uh, doing well, playing again on a Celtic side that that that's been pretty dominant in in that league, and then Matt Miazga, obviously playing on on a side in in, in uh, La Liga, where he's playing regularly. Now, not to create the double standard, and I am not a Greg Berhalter supporter. In fact, I'm I'm quite critical of some of the decisions he's made along the way and tinkering the way that he has. Um, and I would I wouldn't say I'm even friends with Greg Berhalter. I just know him, played with him, and and whatever. So I don't want to f- seem like an apologist uh for this one but there is an argument for greg berhalter to say yeah but i know cameron carter vickers and i don't see what he brings to my team other higher than the players that i know that are going to play and players that i see a better or brighter future for same thing with matt miazga matt miazga is not a hidden gem in u.s soccer circles and again i'm not arguing that does he deserve a call-up because he's playing regularly and performing absolutely he, he deserves to be to be called up or at least in the argument to call. It. In fact, I'm, pro, I'm assuming he's on some of these initial rosters that go out. However, if you're Greg Berhalter and you're looking further down the line, I don't think Mark McKenzie's in contention to be a starter in this team anymore. I think Mark McKenzie is a, is a prospect for him. I think Mark McKenzie is in a situation that Greg sees something or is giving him another go. If this continues into January, I don't think Mark McKenzie's in camp, right? But I think he's in this rough patch and, and he sees that. Having said that, you brought in 25 players. Could you have brought in a 26th? Do you have the depth that you need? Uh, I think a Miazga comes in. You want to play him. I think uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, you want to play him. Those are players that you want to get into the field. But if you've already got that depth that, that's needed, I don't, I don't see where the argument is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. Let's talk about the form guide of this team then, all right? Form. So going off these players, Christian Pulisic, 21 minutes of action since Honduras. Another argument to say, well, is that guy in form? Should he come into the national team? Should he be called up? Is that a double standard? He's played 21 minutes since Honduras. Yunus Musa, 130 minutes played since the last window, unused in the last two Valencia games, you know? Uh, Obviously completely different than the Mark McKenzie example, who's really the only player that's been brought in to this camp that, that isn't playing um, consistently or regularly besides those two players and, and Tim Weah. So the form of this team, are you worried about the minutes? We've seen that politics tends to find his form again with the national team. It's a great place for him. You want it. You obviously want them in for the experience to be around. You would you know what it was like, Jimmy, at times that you, you spent some time in Europe, like, When you go back to the national team, it's like a breath of fresh air, being Mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. with everyone, with the family, you're close to home, you're not a a foreigner anymore, and it's a really important factor. So
1: are you worried about the form of this team and some of the key players that are going to have to play significant minutes? I think we'll get into it a little bit more in our preview because we'll have some more information, frankly, how they're training, what it's looking like, our inside information as to who the starting lineup might be, and then maybe I can can talk about it directly because I feel like Mexico is going to run into – some of the same types of shoes with some of their players, maybe not playing hundred percent valuable minutes and playing every, you know, every player getting, you know, or doing everything that they want to do. So it does. I, th- I think with regard to Musa, he did join in on that Valencia three, three game uh, against Atleti. He ended up having the hockey assist on on the goal that was the game tying one at three three. Not a real thing, not a real thing, Jimmy. But okay. Okay, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> he he got himself in a good contributing, spot yeah, setting p- up, And yeah. in 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 the build up, yeah. I so guess. so you know he comes in as a sub and and ultimately provides a difference whether it was the the assist or the assist <laughs> before this. No, I, I but, agree. But okay, side. but he's around. He's influencing the game, mm-hmm. and so I think that's a good sign that he is is ready in any role that we want? I really like Eunice Musa's game a lot, and I mm-hmm. think that I want to see more of him and McKinney and Adams together. So even if they're not sharp at times or we could argue that they're not going to be as sharp, I want to see them continue like this is our for me, this is our midfield yeah. going forward, our midfield three. And I want them to get as many minutes together as possible. And I don't want that to be interrupted because, he, I mean, obviously coming off an injury or something significant, that's that's different. But if they have an opportunity to play together, I think we play them, especially in the biggest games that we have available. And and this is really gonna test them because if they can handle and manage Mexico's midfield, which are gonna do an excellent job of creating numerical advantages and probably have a little bit more of the possession, they have to get good at understanding how they're gonna move when they don't have the ball, who's stepping to who. Who's going to close that space down? How are we going to keep Tyler from going too far wide that's going to create gaps in front of our back four? All these things are super important when we start to play against some of the biggest nations in the biggest tournament in the World Cup, and we have to get that down. And the only time you can do that is not against the Hondurases or the Jamaicas of the world, but against Mexico. That's our best piece of of information we can get to give these guys to get better at their craft and to work together collectively. And then obviously trickles down to how they protect the back four and how they support and transition and how we're moving from back to front and all that stuff and how they're trying to, you know, give supporting angles to, to Brendan Aronson or Pulisic or Reyna or whoever's out there. These are all really important things. And so it's important for us to roll out our best lineup against Mexico. Now I do want to state for the record. And I said it before, we're not going to qualify or not qualify for the world cup based on how we do against Mexico. It's how we do against all the other nations in this, in this octagonal. And, and, Obviously, I want us to go out there and win. To, for us to beat Mexico three straight times is going to be very difficult. The Gold Cup final, Nations League final in this. There's no question. Tata Martino, Mexico, I think are probably under more pressure than the U.S. But we need to get our crowd behind us, and we need to show some intent, I think, early on in this game. I'm getting into preview territory. But, but I'm not. ultimately, a uh, short answer is I'm not worried about form. I just want to see our best guys, our best 11 guys, collectively, over the long term, to play. And and that's why I think John Brooks not being in, in included is is pretty surprising. Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, and we talked about it way earlier on, Jimmy, that I was a big fan of the way that he could match up uh, up top against Raul Jimenez. Uh, but obviously, we're going to see something different. So I don't want to harp too much on those. Let's get to our CONCACAF 11s. Let's do it. Now, Jimmy, As I we, we built our own CONCACAF 11s. I was then again last night with Blurry Headed and uh, made a few uh, adjustments that perhaps you do or do not know about to my 11 after Uh-oh, you saw it last night. Oh, here we uh, because go. Because I, I, I thought some things through. You I saw had, mine. I had a, you saw mine. Clear, oh, switched. yeah, for sure. I read <laughs> I read some of the answers, and I had a few players out of position. Turns out that uh, Matt Miazga is not a goalkeeper, so I had to move that one <laughs> yeah. out there. Uh, but let's look at our 11. Now, I'm, I'll i start with uh, – oh, okay, we'll start with mine. Now, the one that I slipped in today, Jimmy, was Alistair Johnson. Now, as I was doing the research – I was like, man, something doesn't make sense because I was the bias that I had looking at Mexico's defenders, looking at the U.S.'s defenders. I was looking at Panama. I was looking at Costa Rica. I wasn't looking at Honduras or or El Salvador at that point. Uh, But then I was thinking about, you know, Canada. And I was like, they're third or second in the, the least goals against and I was judging these players based on the clubs that they play at, right? I'm looking at their bios and I'm remembering, okay, we yeah, got sure, a lot of sure. MLS players here. And I was like, I can't put them on my best eleven. Why would I do that? Look at how big Canada's players are playing at big clubs. And then as I started to think it through, I looked at Alistair Johnson and I and I saw. His versatility in the team, he's played right back, he's played center back, he's been in a back three, in a back four, and he's just done a number of things that have helped this team. And when I think about that fighting spirit that he brings to the table and what this team has, I had to have him in the team. Obviously, Hector Moreno coming back into the mm-hmm. squad for Mexico, mm-hmm. he's a shoe in for me just the way, the calming presence he has for Mexico when he's on the field, Mexico are better. When you look at when the players look at him and you watch these games with Mexico, they look to him to be this calming presence around, right? He's calling the ball, mm-hmm, his distribution, mm-hmm. his build-up play. He's sort of the first line in the buildup. And then Anthony Robinson uh as as well. So those are my three there. Okay. And and Going beyond that, Edson Alvarez, Tyler Adams. You know, mm-hmm. I I mm-hmm. I so badly wanted to go MMA in the midfield there just because I needed it, but I was you know took a little bit away from Western sure, McKinney sure, sure. and and his form in the year, and I wanted to be vice Sergio so Dest at that wing back position. There's nobody better on that right side in CONCACAF, at least in my perspective. Uh, oh, Derperp is coming after me for this being a defender's take. I'm just trying. I'm just out here trying to survive, man. Uh, Putting the team together. No, I'm losing friends while I make this. But (laughs) Alfonso Davies was a shoe in. (laughs) Yeah. Edson Alvarez been so fantastic. And I've, I've rolled in some club form for him. Obviously, Alvarez and Ajax doing really, really well. Ajax in this incredible run of form, even though they drew over the weekend, which they should never do with all the weapons that they have. And they did it scorelessly, which they should never be scoreless in any game because they play the total football system and score
1: hundreds of goals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Laren, you don't have to, let's go to Kyle Laren. Felix wants <laughs> to know why you picked him over Jonathan David. I want to hear it too.
0: I picked Kyle Laren because the form before he was injured, uh, I think it was in the Gold Cup, that he had, he was the top scorer in Concacaf, right? So obviously Canada had to go through more rounds of qualifying. He's been in fantastic form. We're talking about best eleven. I'm looking at this year. We're in November. I'm not giving anybody anything from January or whatever. But through that year, he's been fantastic. Scored his first Champions League goal as well, and and he leads that team. Of course, I'd love to have Jonathan David on there, but I'm thinking about the national team and club team mixed, and he's been the top performer. Obviously, him. Alfonso Davies has been. Had some of the most assists in CONCACAF as well over that period. I know they went from an earlier round. I know they played some uh, subpar national teams to get to this point. But those are two guys that I wanted to put in there. And Barcenas has just been a guy that I like. I wanted somebody that was a little bit more like a number 10, floats around, disrupts. Uh... Oh, Francisco's coming at me saying Moreno's not calm. Moreno is calm on the ball. He's tranquilo. Tranquilo, Papi. This guy is nice. Why is everybody attacking him? Maybe he's not he's on the, the nice young guy, side. By the way. I like he that guy. He is career. a wonderful yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, it, but I think he's calm on the ball. I think he's calm okay, on the okay. ball, and he's willing to put his uh, put his uh, head where you wouldn't put your foot. So as a defender, I like that type of uh, killer mentality as well. So that's how I came up with this. Kaylor Navas, obviously one that continues to get games, not all the games for PSG, but a good, uh, the person that uh, we obviously saw when he came out against the U.S., how different that game was, probably a different scoreline in the end if he stays on the field. So that's my, that's my best 11, and maybe I switch out uh, Robinson for Robinson in that back line, but yeah.
1: Okay, everybody, uh, feel free to dunk on Heath in, in the comments and hit him up on Twitter as no, well. Maybe in the parking lot. Maybe <laughs> in a parking lot. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Now, let's take a look at the real best 11. That's mine. I'm going with Keeler Navas. You had Navas as well. Costa Rica's only scored four goals in six games, puts a lot of pressure on that back line and the goalkeeper in particular when he came off at halftime against the U.S. They gave up a goal Costa Rica did, which ended up being the game winner that I feel like. Navas would have saved, so I feel like his his value is immense, and uh, he will go down and should go down as one of the best to ever do it in Concacaf. I have Miles Robinson, the other Robinson. I like Anthony, okay. but in your eleven, mm-hmm. he would run into Alfonso Davies. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> All right. So Miles Robinson, I don't meant.
0: care about any of this stuff. Tell me about Daniel Henry, and then I want to know about where Brendan Aronson became your ten, and how Raúl Jiménez, with two goals in the sure, last sure, sure. nine hundred years,
1: Henry. is in your is in your best eleven. Let's go. Daniil Daniel Henry is in because. Because I needed a Canadian defender. They've been very good on that side of the ball. I didn't know if it was him. Daniel
0: Kane, by the way, wants to know why Pulisic uh, doesn't make either one of our lineups. Because it's he's because hurt. he was hurt. It was yeah. only because he
1: was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniil Henry's in because I like, uh, when they went to Mexico and played in Mexico... Oh, David uh, said Daniel Henry doesn't even start for Canada, Jimmy. Get off he, Get off Well, no, no, no. He's a spot starter. Well, they all kind of are. I think yeah, I Miller is one of them. Vittoria is one. Daniil Henry. I feel like in the biggest games, Daniil Henry's been on the field, and he's either been in the middle of a three or he can play as a center back in a four. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I assume Heath maybe made the better selection there with Alistair Johnson. But... I think they're
0: both solid shouts. Again, you're being just, people I just are, wanted people to, are I judging just, Canada based on the the play the
1: names on the jerseys and how we know them as.
0: But Canada is not good defensively because of Alfonso Davies. They are not, I mean, he's a part of it, but they're not good defensively because of Jonathan David. They're not good defensively because of Kyle Lahren or, or any of these players. They're good because of the players that they have are playing very, very well. And that's how you make the CONCACAF best 11. Right, it's not, right. it's not based on the clubs they play at or how we know Doniel Henry when he was an 18 year old in, in MLS or his, his career journey. It's now.
1: So, so, so Hector Moreno, for sure, in there, no problem. Uh, Alfonso Davies, Edson Alvarez, Tyler Adams, for all the things that you had already mentioned. Uh, Alvarez got an extension, a new contract from Ajax, which I think speaks to his value and his promise and the potential they see in him. Sergio Dest, I agree with you there. Brendan Aronson, now Weston McKinney, Yunus Musa, they deserve a shout. Weston McKinney, I think, and he's already come out and said you know, that he he made mistakes in that first qualifying window and and getting kicked out of camp. Probably why he's not in either one of our best 11s. But his value, obviously, is immense. Well, Brendan I, I Aronson, ask- for me, he's played in all six games. All mm-hmm. six games. I'll let you have your McKinney's point in a minute. But but Aronson played in all six games. We have scored nine goals or ten goals so far. and And he's been driving a lot of that. Whether you you care for him or not, I don't know. I have him in my best 11 as for now. Obviously, this can change. We're only six games into this.
0: I think Brendan Aronson is a great shout, And he was probably my hardest one to eliminate because I was like, well, I want to be a little true to the system. And by the way, anybody who says this is a defender's formation doesn't know because if it was me as a left back, i play with a back four to make sure that I'm on any sort of back four lineup. I used to hate when MLS would put out their best 11 of the year and it'd be three center backs and you'd be like, well, nobody in the league plays with three in the back. So now all of a sudden you've eliminated me from being able to make the team uh, from, from your best 11. So I'm not about the back three when we're talking about defensive formation. But yeah, Brendan Aronson was, was the hardest one uh, for me to leave out just because I, I actually do think he is a best 11 performer right now. I just look at Serginho Dest and I go, man, that's X, X factor. It's, and I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Brendan Aronson as a wing back. So I was like, I kind of ran out of know, positions for him. Same with McKinney. I'm like- It's tough, it's tough. In That's theory, why, I'd I mean, put him. I wanted MMA. I would I would well, I put Musa in there too in terms of their national team form, but I'm like, uh, you know, I gotta make some hard cuts, you know, that I gotta I gotta be the people's I, champion. I
1: felt the same way, Heath, and Jonathan David for me, I give him the tip over Kyle Lair, and I just think he he, he Maybe he's not hitting back in that. He's got six goals in the, the World Cup qualifying phase. Kyle aaron has got nine through because they had to play in the earlier round. What so do he have at Lille more. this year, by the way? Not, I mean, he's nowhere near the pace that he was on last year. but No, like, but he's still... Well, yeah. he was uh, on top of the scoring charts for Liga for a little while. So he's still having a pretty good season. Okay, that's good. And, and Raul Jimenez, I know he hasn't played as many games, but I think his influence is, is very uh, important to Mexico. And I think he's going to be an important player, obviously, as he remains healthy. I just could not have a, an attacker from Mexico. It's just I didn't know who to pick. Funes Mori, I couldn't go with him. Uh, Henry Martín, Chucky Lozano. I, I don't know. I just thought the real Jiménez.
0: It should be. It should be was, Chicharito. He scored 17 goals this year. Obviously well, yeah, coming off the be back be <laughs> But hey, this isn't the conc- This isn't the national team best eleven, Jimmy. So but Jonathan David has it.
1: Jonathan David has eight goals in 13 Liga. Okay, games. yeah, that's so, a yeah, he's making that's a solid, solid So, so there's I don't a mix here of like. I know this guy will ultimately, maybe with Raul Jimenez, probably be part of the best 11 by the end of this. So he's the only one that maybe I gave a little bit of a head start to <laughs> in my best 11. But everybody else is pretty much uh, is is spot on for everything else. I, and and I'm, I'm open to having another Canadian defender back there. I just wanted to give some love to that back four. Even though it's been rotating, you can have one, Jimmy. You have two. I, they're gonna. We're get. Gi- they're giving. No, up, I had so. one. Come I had on. one. Uh, yeah. One Canadian. De- Alfonso David doesn't count as a defender, dude. No, he doesn't play no, defense for Canada, and he shouldn't because he's so yeah, good going forward. Best player in CONF. Yeah. So yes, this is open for interpretation. I was ready to take some attacks here, yeah. uh, but but I did want to give some love, to to a couple of players that maybe won't get it by the end of this whole qualifying phase. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that, And everyone, as I mentioned, we
0: are going to check out now, but make sure you send those comments in. This video will stay up. Leave a comment uh, if you're listening to this in audio form. And as a reminder, Jimmy and I will be with you for the U.S.-Mexico preview. And we're going to break down the lineups, how they match up against Mexico, uh, how Mexico matches up against wait. the U.S. We've had to bite our tongues over and over again because you get Jimmy and I going and we go deep into the rabbit hole of who plays where and how can't they match help up. Ourselves. So, yeah, but make sure you stay tuned to the Kegel Lasso podcast. And YouTube feeds all this week because we have so much in store for you as it relates to Friday's game between the U.S. men's national team, as I mentioned, in Mexico, including two big-name interviews and an in-depth preview, as well as a live recap. Just a reminder, we do those live recaps after the game. So follow Golasso on Twitter, at pod Subscribe to Golasso wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a glowing review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash, smash, smack, smack or smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. And until next time, thank you from Jimmy, myself, our production team. We'll see you guys soon. Later. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old, whatever, or I can conquer it.